Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. And only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And the Bucks, again, find themselves in a very deep hole. They're down 2-0 in the finals now, 118 to 108. In what was... Really a frustrating game of basketball. It felt like the Bucks were within reaching distance the whole night. A number of factors contributed to them not being able to get over the hump. We're going to break it all down here. Frank, we can talk about Chris and Drew. We can talk about the math game with the three-point shot tonight that crucified the Bucks. We can talk about the disappointment it was that we got such a historic performance from Giannis with 42 points, 12 rebounds, three blocks, and all the rest on one leg, and it still wasn't enough for this team. I, you, you can kick us off here wherever you want to, Frank. But yeah, this, this game, I found myself uh, continuously in a rotation of sitting forward on the couch and thinking, okay, here we go, here we go, and then slumping back down to the couch and then sitting back up again when the Bucks were making a run and then slumping back down on the couch. It was extremely frustrating. You mentioned this. I mean, we had the similar pod after the net series, a little bit different circumstances, but being two zipped down, yes, it's only been on half court, but four out of five games right now seems like the longest of roads. Yeah, I mean, the, the Suns just, you know, these, these are two home games. I think it seemed like the crowds were great. For, for Phoenix, um, but you know they just look like the better team right now, and um, you know nobody. No, I, I didn't think coming into the series, especially with the honest uncertainty, that like any sort of reasonable view of of these teams would say that the Bucks, you know, should be favored. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first two games, I mean, you lose the first two games. Obviously, you go from after game one, you go from being like you know in a hole to. Um, you know, to, to in a ravine or I don't know, something much deeper than a hole down 2-0. And again, it's not impossible, but, you know, it's probably at best like a 10% shot at this point. So you're dealing with, you know, very long shot odds. And, um, you know, <laughs> game three uh, against the Nets, um, you know, they, they, I think it was, it was game, was it game three that Kyrie went down or was it game four? Um, I can't remember. It was game four, but game three was just the the rockiest the rock fights fight. of rock fights. <laughs> yeah, the rock fight. So um, I think it's interesting with these games because it feels like a lot of times when you have the first two home games, you know, you, a lot of times the home team will will win one in kind of a blowout or like not really close fashion, and then another the other game usually there'll be at least one that's that really kind of goes down, you know, to the last five minutes and is close. And this is kind of a you know this is kind of a weird two games because the Bucks were what within seven, I think in game one in the fourth quarter at one point they were within five uh, when Brooke puts that one in after Giannis's incredible block that kind of got dinged up on. They got it back to one Oh three ninety seven as well. 
I don't know. I mean, again, maybe, you know, I don't want to like overlay my own feelings and pessimism as a Bucks fan. I, it still just didn't really feel like they were like generating enough momentum or shot making to really get over that hump on the road. It, it just felt like they were going to need a, a lot of luck. They had clearly not gotten in the first three quarters to, to overcome it. And, um, you know, they, they obviously are just going to have to hope that Phoenix is a very different team on the road than they are, than they have been at home. And they're going to have to hope that the Bucks, other than Giannis are a very different team in Milwaukee than they are on the road, because, um, you know, this was just another game where unfortunately the supporting cast starting with tonight, it was Chris Middleton followed by Drew Holiday offensively just didn't give you anything. Um, and Drew in particular, I mean, the defensive effort was phenomenal tonight, but, um, you know, it, it's just frustrating because this is one of those games. If, if they get really anything from those guys, anything resembling an efficient scoring night from Chris or Drew, we could be hooting and hollering on this podcast about Giannis and one of the legendary finals performances leading the Bucks to a road win. Um, but instead, you know, we have to still talk about Giannis for sure. That's obviously the, 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 the talking point from a Bucks perspective, you know, for him to put up 42 points on 22 shots, 12 rebounds in 40 minutes, multiple occasions where he was cramping up or the knee seemed to bother him. And he just kept getting up, kept going at DeAndre Aiden and the Suns defense. And, you know, 12 points at halftime, 30 in the second half, 20 in the third quarter, at which point I think the Bucks, did the Bucks make up one point, I think, in the third quarter because it was basically just Giannis and a cloud of dust. And unfortunately, clouds of dust can't make three-pointers. Um, but, yeah, just a, uh, you know, just a historically great performance from Giannis against a really good defensive team tonight and unfortunately you know the the old the old narrative of Giannis not having enough help was uh was unfortunately far too true tonight as um offensively at least his teammates just just couldn't get anything going shooting the ball and you know nine nine for what 31 shooting from the Bucks from three which is a number you know the kind of performance we've seen lots of from the Bucks this postseason um they did have 18 offensive rebounds 36 percent offensive rebound rate so they kind of you know, this has like become the typical Bucks sort of performance. And at the end of the day, they had a 117 offensive rating. That's better than they, what they have had on average in the regular season. But you go on the other side and just, you know, it was just all about that three-point shooting from, from Phoenix. They hit 20 out of 43s, especially in that first half. They hit a ton of corner threes when the Bucks really focused on taking away the mid-range and, and taking away the pick-and-roll actions. And ultimately, you know, a plus 26 advantage in the paint plus 10 advantage on fast break points. Um, Bucks only nine turnovers today. Lots of numbers went in the Bucks' favor, but ultimately they didn't make threes and Phoenix just made a crap ton of threes. And most importantly, in the fourth quarter, they were always timely. And even when the Bucks played great defense, they either couldn't get a rebound or, you know, Devin Booker or Chris Paul hit a shot right, right in their grill. And so it was just one of those nights where it's just like, you know, for me, I just come away from this game thinking, you know, good job, good effort, Bucks. But the Suns just look like they're going to be the NBA champions this year, and you've got a whole whole heck of a lot of work to, to try to do something about it. Giannis in the series so far, and you know, you combine the twenty points from Game One and then the forty-two points in this one, the rebounding, 
averaging 31 points and 14.5 rebounds per game. So, I mean, listen, obviously a monster night tonight, but I think the stat that stands out the most is the fact that he was plus one in his 35 minutes in game one, and he was plus three in his 40 minutes tonight. And again, it was very evident that he is just working through stuff. And he spoke about it in the post game just now as we're recording this. And he said in typical Giannis fashion, listen, if I'm out on the floor, I'm not going to be thinking about my knee. I'm not going to be thinking about my toe. I'm not going to be thinking about anything other than playing basketball and trying to win. Because once you're out on the floor, if you allow yourself to think about the excuses, then it's going to get on top of you. And there was obviously a couple of incidents. There was that play where Chris Paul tried to draw a charge, you know, 15 meters off the ball, which you know, we can talk about. But I mean, that that type of <laughs> charge taking is bullshit. And there was really only one thing that could potentially happen there. It, it was going to get someone hurt. Like, I'm not saying that that's a dirty play because it, as far as basketball plays go, like they'll call that. They didn't in this instance. But I just think like that type of play, I mean, it's just annoying to watch. And he came up very sore from that. And just to get an insight into his mentality, the next time he hit the floor, he didn't even wait for anyone to pick him, pick him up. He just jumped straight to his feet and said, that's it, I'm getting up, let's go. It was an inspirational performance, to be quite honest. But when you looked at game one, the Bucks lose by 13 points and they were minus 16 in free throw makes. Tonight, they lose by 10 and they were minus 11 in three-point makes. And I, I think overall... This is why it's, it's such a shame if you're a Bucks fan watching this series because even in game one, there was a lot of numbers that you would have looked at and said, okay, this indicates the Bucks could win the game if you didn't see the final score. That was exactly the same tonight as you pointed to when you look at the paint dominance. Um, it, it, the free throws weren't really a, a big problem in this one at all, despite the fact you'd like to make a few more, no doubt about that. But the numbers were pretty good. And I think we've looked at these two teams before the series and said that they are even for sure. But when you look at the contributions the Suns are getting from multiple role players and then their two stars really showing up. So far for the Bucs, it's only been Giannis. And look, everyone knows that that listens to this show regularly that I'm a, a, as big a Middleton fan as, you, as you'll find. I think that he's, the, the criticism of him has been far too over the top for years. And he's coming off an incredible stretch of basketball. And, and look, people aren't going to want it to happen during this time, Frank, but you knew that eventually he was going to have a game where he wasn't going to be hot or he wasn't going to get you 30 points. I've said it a number of times, but that's the difference between being a top five player in the world like Giannis and being a top 30 guy. But unfortunately, Drew Holiday, again, I thought he was really, really good defensively. And we can talk about the adjustments they made defensively, particularly with Chris Paul. I thought Yes, obviously it led to a lot of threes, but I thought the way that he came out and the aggressiveness defensively was fantastic. I even was really happy with the way he started the game offensively. I liked the fact that he was trying to get to the paint, look for those shots, but he just never got it going and he was missing layups all night long. And yes, he's had some big nights through the postseason, but unfortunately he, he has not lived up to what Bucks fans certainly were hoping he was going to bring on the offensive end. And for all the discussion through the regular season of, wow, Drew Holiday's the Bucks' second best player, he's better than Milton. At this point, if you, you lay it all out and look at how this postseason has gone, he's probably been their fourth best player behind Middleton easily and then probably Brooke Lopez. And, and if the Bucks are going to climb their way out of this, they're just simply going to need him to show up. And it's, it's as simple as that because the difference between this series when you're trying to come back 2-0 compared to that Brooklyn series when you're trying to come back 2-0 against the Nets realistically, you were trying to stop one guy. 
and then there was a bunch of role players. That's not the case with this Phoenix team. They've got multiple contributors and the mountain is just so much taller than it was in that Brooklyn series. Let's stop now for a quick note from our friends at betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action on BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, whether it's MLB, NBA, NHL and all your UFC MMA action. There's plenty of stuff you can get involved with with game two of the NBA finals and futures for the rest of the series as well. Uh, Maybe there's a point total you want to get behind and have a look at. Uh, PJ Tucker, anyone want to go the over for points for PJ Tucker? You'll be able to find it on betonline.ag. It's all there. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs or continue their runs through the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code there is locked on. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA Finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. You know, Chris, six rebounds, eight assists, two steals, just two turnovers in 41 minutes. Drew, seven assists, five rebounds, two steals, two blocks. Were both of those blocks on DeAndre Ayton? I mean, he had some impressive plays, man. I mean... He was getting up in Chris Paul. He was making Chris Paul's life very difficult. Chris Paul, who was, I think, close to a 6-1 to one assist to turnover ratio coming into the series, had six turnovers tonight and eight assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you look at Chris's numbers, 23 points on 20 shots with six turnovers. Those are the numbers you would gladly take from him mm-hmm. any night um, and that you can live with. And even Booker, I mean, for all the shot making, yeah, he made seven out of 12 on threes, but is five out of 13 on twos and didn't take a single free throw 31 points on 25 shots you know i mean it's okay you know it's not not terrible um you gave yourself a chance but uh unfortunately especially in that first half you know they were clearly trying to shrink the floor kind of like what they did in game two against atlanta um and they took away you know deandre ayton just four out of ten ten points they really slowed him down significantly um but you know, this is the trade-off you make, right? Everybody got so mad about Chris Paul hitting you know, mid-range jump shots that they took a lot of that away. But unfortunately, Chris Paul's really smart. And, you know, when you bring that third guy, you know, you help in from the wings, help in from the corners, um, you know, do those kinds of things, then you do give up opportunities to other guys. And you know, Jay Crowder, 0 for, 0 for 8 from 3 in game 1, goes 3 for 5 tonight. Bridges, only 3 for 9. It felt like he was... <laughs> like he missed any threes he was great tonight I mean Mikhail Bridges outplaying Chris Middleton in aggregate over the first two games um I think he's outscored Chris 41 to 40 at this point but um you know Bridges outplaying Middleton obviously is a big story I mean if you know that's kind of one of those things like if if that was going to happen um first off it shouldn't be shocking because Mikhail Bridges is that good and he's a good defender um but if you told us that like, I don't think either of us would say feel very good about the Bucks coming away with a win in the first two games in Phoenix. But Mikhail Bridges was great. Um, and then, you know, just little stuff on the margin. You know, Cam Johnson, it's two out of four threes, eight points on four shots. Um, Torrey Craig, who I 
I don't think we're seeing Troy Craig in this series. He he took his knee did not seem to plant in the right way on that Giannis charge call. We'll see. You kind of cross your fingers that it's not another Sarge, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked at all, just given the way that he could not get up and had to be helped off and just the way his legs seemed to turn that if he might have torn his ACL or something similarly bad as well. But he hit two out of three triples as well. So, you know, kind of what you always worry about on the road is is do those role players hurt you and, and do stuff and make plays. And we saw that from the role players tonight. Um and really everybody but Aiden on Phoenix, you know, was at least pretty good to, to great. And, you know, this wasn't like a plus Chris Paul and Devin Booker tonight. I think the Bucks deserve some credit for the intensity with which they played defensively. But, um, you know, obviously, again, it's just when, when Phoenix is getting that much help, they don't need Chris and Devin to be just insane to put up just a big, big, you know, offensive night. And, and that's what they did. And, you know, on the other side, the Bucks end up scoring, having actually a very efficient scoring night. Um, but, well, why was that? Well, because Giannis was incredible. <laughs> and because, you know, Pat Connaughton scores 14 points on 10 shots. Um, but other than that, you know, kind of you go up and down the box score, really not, not a whole lot to, to, to feel great about. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, Drew, man, it was really frustrating because because you see those numbers that Chris and Drew put up, you know, with the rebounding assists, steals, they you know only have three turnovers between the two of them in 80 minutes. That's the kind of like control you want to see from them. But then the shooting just isn't there. And it's just like, you know, it, this is the way all these games start for me. You know, like I just don't expect, I'm always like expecting the worst from actually from both guys, even though Chris has had three really good games in a row coming into this, including the two big wins against Atlanta and game one, he scores 29 points um, on, on Tuesday. But I'm always just nervous, especially on the road, like that they're just going to come out firing blanks. And you can't say it was a lack of aggression from Drew. I mean, it definitely looked like he was trying to be more aggressive, but the problem is, you know, he's not Chris Paul. And you really see that very plainly when he's playing against Chris Paul, because he just doesn't have that same feel for getting to his spots. And you know, he's able to, you know, he's a guy, when he has good games, he's able to really be effective working kind of in the mid-range, probing, you know, getting those little lefty flip shots off the glass and things like that. But then he has nights like this where it's just like, man, <laughs> it's just not, it's just not happening. And it's really a shame because he put in such a shift defensively tonight. And, you know, they made a point of putting him on Chris a lot more, um, to try to really make make it harder for the Suns to get in their offense, which I thought was a good adjustment from Bud. Um, but again, uh, you know, I think uh, at the end of the day, just just could not get enough out of him offensively, and um, it's just it's just tough, you know. And again, now you're staring down the barrel of that gun down down two nothing with essentially no margin for error the rest of the series, right? And I think that's the the hard part because Drew and Chris have have had you know. Um, especially Drew, Chris, less so, certainly less so. I don't want to make it seem like Drew's been as inconsistent offensively as, as Drew or Chris. Chris has not been nearly as, as you know, as struggling as, as Drew offensively in this playoffs. But um, but it's just like, you know, when you say, well, now you got to win four out of five games, it's like, geez, can we even get, like, can we get one game where all three guys play well together? <laughs> like, just seems like one guy just always is laying bricks when the other two play well. It's just, 
it's just it's just tough. And again, you just look at the consistency that, that Phoenix has gotten from their lineup um, in these first two games. Again, you just you just hope that that home crowd just makes a big difference because you know something something needs to click a little bit better. And you know, Bucks have tried kind of everything defensively. So anybody saying Bud's not making adjustments just is completely not paying attention. But they just haven't found you know a, a combination that will just ultimately can get get the results that they need. And then offensively, they just obviously just are not, they just can't get timely shots the way that Phoenix has. And, um, you know, it's obviously those issues start with, with their two, their two, two of their three best offensive players. Yeah. You really need to, at this point, and this is it's clearly very obvious, but similar to the Brooklyn series. Now you just really have to find a way to turn this into a three game series. Now, Look, if anyone wants like some sort of omen or they want to look back to something, yes, it was in a different game. But if you are going to go down trailing 3-1, look, Giannis had a pretty comparable block to LeBron, didn't he, in, in game one? Maybe, maybe, maybe the, the series are going to go down a similar path. But as far as the rotations go here now, Frank, I mean, we're essentially, and look, again, who knows with Tory Craig, um, Giannis, again, just an absolute class act, like genuine concern on his face checking in if Tory Craig was okay. I, I don't I don't normally do this. I feel a little bit bad about this, but I did see a tweet during the game where a Bucks fan was like tagging the Suns and he's like, Tory Craig flopped. And I was like, Jesus Christ, maybe it wasn't a, a charge or a block, like it's a bang, bang, play, whatever. Maybe you can use a challenge. I don't know. Do whatever you want to do there. But I don't think you can say Tory Craig flopped. He got absolutely steamrolled by Giannis. But anyway. It was not a charge. It was not. A, I, I am convinced it wasn't a charge because yeah. he didn't extend his arm and Craig was like sideways his body was like sideways it's not like he was like squared up or anything like that so yeah I agree but I mean Tory Craig I mean again like the the the, his knee buckling is obviously kind of just a bad luck thing but you know he absolutely took the brunt of of that fall and (laughs) um, man I mean but that's just you know we talk about the physicality with which Giannis plays I mean that's just a great example right I mean god I mean, when you're one of these smaller dudes and you're asked to defend him, I mean, it doesn't matter how big you are, right? I mean, just he's just physically so overwhelming. Well, it's crazy. I mean, I still think of the one play, and there was a number of plays that were similar tonight, but the one where he just literally just shifted DeAndre Ayton out of the way. I mean, the guy is just an absolute powerhouse. But as far as it relates to Tory Craig, we're essentially going to be looking at basically 6v7 from here on out if Tory Craig doesn't return. You know, Frank Kaminsky played the one minute, but I don't really think they want to play him if possible. Cam no. Johnson and Campaign are the two guys that are super, super reliable. They've been <laughs> incredible for the Suns, not just this series, but right through the postseason. And then for the Bucks, really, the only reliable guy they have is Pat Connaughton, which is part of the shame of tonight as well, because, you know, you don't want to waste a four for nine shooting night from Pat Connaughton. You know, you get a couple of those per series. So that's a shame. So six V7 here. And, and I honestly, I mean, I already rem- I mentioned the on-off numbers for Giannis, the Bucs have won his minutes. So he's played 35, then he's played 40. And I know I feel a little bit guilty here and a little bit ridiculous asking for more Giannis after what he delivered tonight. But honestly, the Bucs might need him to get to 45. And I, I don't know if that's physically possible. There's two days off between each game from here on out. Obviously, there's no going back here. I mean, you're trailing 2-0. It's now or never. But that might have to be the case. I mean, this has been trending this way for the Bucs right throughout the postseason. We went from... 10 guys in the first round and slowly started to trickle it down. Now we're basically at six guys. So that's going to be something to watch moving forward. But I guess the big question I have for you, you spoke about 
the defense that the Bucks played in this series. And I know, you know, we discussed this in the post-game show after game three. It's really the ultimate question that the Bucks will be asking themselves after this game because the comparison between game one to game two or the contrast, I should say, is so stark. So you mentioned it the other day. With these shooters that the Phoenix Suns have, whether it's Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, they can be streaky, but wide open threes, they've both hit at over 40% all season long. So if they're going to be shooting open threes, they'll knock them down. And then that math game really comes into play as we saw tonight. So I think that this is going to be the question. We saw Chris Paul hit. Look, he was fully in rhythm and you're playing a dangerous game if you allow that man to get into a rhythm, but he was hitting difficult shots, really difficult shots. And I, I, you know, I, I just wonder, we've heard Drew Holiday all season long. Anytime we've had a chance to ask him a question, he talks about trust defensively. And, and I just think that the Bucks are going to have to find that happy medium of, yes, Drew Holiday pressuring Chris Paul on the ball is the right move. I thought he was fantastic at fighting through those screens and forcing the ball out of Chris Paul's hand. But they're just going to have to ease up on that help. And they're going to have to say, Chris Paul, if you're hitting tough shots with Drew Holiday on your side or right in front of you or in Brooke Lopez's face, okay, we're going to have to live with that because we can't afford to give up these open corner threes because historically, those are the threes the Bucks haven't given away and they got cooked on those tonight. And that's where Phoenix have cooked teams all season long, to be clear. They, they love shooting those threes, particularly with those two players, include Cam Johnson in there as well. So the Bucks are going to have to find a happy medium, but is that how you see it? Or is there something specific you would do defensively here heading into game three? Well, it's built by time now. And they still have the limited time flavor, the built grasshopper cookie, which is still available here for the next couple of days. It's available from July 6th to July 9th. So do not mess around here. The new flavor, grasshopper cookie. What does it taste like? This, this is Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie. All the flavor without all that sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 5 grams of sugar. Uh, can, can you get one out to Australia before July 9? I doubt it, but I would try if I could possibly do so. But if you try it, let me know what it tastes like. Uh, they have the nine original flavors there as well. Uh, get a mixed box. I always promote that. You'll get two of each. That'll keep you going for at least 24 hours. But they're healthy for you. Good for pre-workout, post-workout. Pre-game, halftime, post-game, whatever it is, Built Bar is the way to go. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Yeah, I mean, it kind of made sense, right? Like, um, And I'm, I'm trying to remember. I've, I was already having this conversation earlier with someone else, so now my brain is kind of melting, but I think it was, um, I think Seth Parnell tweeted out like the shot chart. And I want to say the Suns were 10 for 17 um, on corner threes. Mm-hmm. And when I was just looking at the game, game cast uh, shot chart uh, and looking at quarter by quarter, it looked like they were seven for 11 in the first half and yeah. like two for four in the second half. So it doesn't quite add up to the numbers Seth had, but um, that seemed to be reflective of the fact that, you know, in the second half, it felt more like, Paul and Booker were just kind of creating, having just kind of creating a lot more for themselves. And it was a lot less of the Bucks just completely selling out and creating those wide open looks from the corners, which we saw a lot more in the first half. Um, so, I mean, again, like, <laughs> like it's not, I don't think, I mean, the Bucks, like I mean, they, the offensive numbers tonight for, for the Suns were great. Like, I don't think you can feel like, Oh, you solved something necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think again the the 
we know what the Bucks are going to start with. They started well again tonight. They've started well the last two games. I mean, and they started well the previous couple games against Atlanta too. I mean, like they, they generally, you go back even to that net series, you know, with the exception of, of like a couple, a couple examples, like the, the Hawks, um, you know, the, the Hawks jumped on them in Atlanta, you know, especially in, in game, I guess, was it both games? But anyway, um, uh, games three and four maybe, but overall, um, I, you know, they've had, they've had pretty good success starting off games using their physicality on both ends. Um, you know, if Brooks out there, I think, I think it makes sense to try to, you know, especially on the road, maybe you do kind of stick with that drop and then you just, again, you just try to avoid overhelping. Um, but I think there's also just the, the, the secondary, option of of going small and switching everything which you know provided Giannis is physically up for it you know I think there's going to be times where you're also just going to have to do that now I think I'd much rather do that when DeAndre Ayton is off the floor just because you know we saw tonight in the fourth quarter it felt like if the Suns missed a shot you know the basketball god said all right take another swing at it right (laughs) like there were multiple I think there were a couple possessions at least where um you know they had they had multiple opportunities and eventually hit a three. And it was just like, man, Bucks play great defense. They just can't get a rebound because, you know, a big gets switched out or whatever it is. And you've got a smaller guy trying to box out a bigger guy. And Phoenix gets a second chance and they cash it in, which, you know, again, the stats don't say that Phoenix had a great offensive rebounding night. But again, it felt kind of like that Atlanta game in the sense that the Bucks just could not get offensive rebounds or sorry, defensive rebounds when they mattered late in the game when they were small. Um, and similarly, like, I mean, I just think back to like the, the end of the first half, they had, I don't know how many offensive rebounds were on that last Suns possession where Aiton eventually gets an and one, but I mean, the Bucks scrambled, <laughs> the Bucks scrambled on that possession so hard and they forced so many passes and the Suns, you know, seemingly like just were, were a split second ahead of the entire time. The Bucks always recovered, always recovered. But they just could not get an offensive. They couldn't get a defensive rebound, and they couldn't eventually stop the passing. And eventually, Aiton frees up and, and gets an and one to, to put the lead at eleven going into this to, to halftime, which again was just kind of one of those deflating, you know, ways to to finish out the, the half. So, um, so I think again, I would say <sighs> game three. I'd say you probably start drop. Um, you know, you, you switch off ball probably, but you, you try to stay connected. You have Drew on Chris and you just fight really hard over screens and you just try to crowd Chris Paul. And, you know, when it looks like he's going up for a shot and, you know, you have your, your wings kind of pinching in to, to help contest and do things like that. But you just try to find that balance where you're not just completely selling out and making it easy to, to find shooters. And to the extent that, you know, again, they do get some, some three looks, you know, to some extent, you're just, again, you just have to hope that the math or not the math, but, but the variance sort of works in your favor. And, you know, some of those role players just don't make shots that they might otherwise make when they're playing at home, which isn't really, you know, exactly what you want to hear. But, um, but I think that's, that's part of it. And then, you know, you just hope that, that the crowd, the energy again, just creates some that, you know, it creates that, that thing that, you know, we see it so often um, in sports in general. And we've seen it in these playoffs for the bucks at home that, you know, they just can create just an energy in the building that, that kind of gives the bucks some extra lift and maybe also gives, you know, Chris and drew and everybody else, um, 
I don't know, some kind of boost that they clearly needed tonight. Well, I'll remind everyone about our ultimate mock draft here at Locked On that is starting July 19th. And I can tell you, the email thread is rolling. The draft picks have started to come in here prior to uh, this presentation. There was one extremely questionable trade where the Sacramento Kings have ended up with Eric Bledsoe. So uh, I guess you can wait and see what that was. But it's at least provided me with some entertainment earlier in the day here. But the ultimate mock draft 2021 it will be featuring the GOAT of NBA mock drafts, Chad Ford, and NBA experts, Brian Scalabrini, and former general manager, Ryan McDonough. The Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is the home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. All right, Frank, let's look to wrap this up. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to have our debut NBA Finals game winning podcast, but it's going to have to be in game three because as uh, tall as the road back from 2 0 is, uh, it, it might be insurmountable if it gets to 3 0. So, this is clearly a big game. We've been here before, uh, like we said, with game three against Brooklyn. Again, I don't think that this game is going to pan out the way that one did. I can't see the Bucks holding this Phoenix team to 80 points at any point in this series, but. Again, I think enough positives from game one and game two individually, which feels crazy to say, given that they haven't been able to pull out those games. Still feels like it's a, it's a relatively close series, but the Bucs need to find more contributors. Unfortunately for the Bucs, the old theory that role players play better at home is a little bit unfortunate for the Bucs because they don't, they're not really playing any role players at the moment. So they don't get to cash in uh, on that old adage, which is a bit of a shame. But... Yeah, tough break today. Really, really tough game to watch. And I've said this before, Frank, but I found myself obviously disappointed that the Bucs lost. You want to see this be a long series, a competitive series. Ultimately, we want the Bucs to win the championship. But we mentioned it when Giannis went down with that knee injury. And I said, I can't really remember in that moment or how I felt when he went down and what potentially it could be long-term having that sort of sadness about one athlete and thinking, man, he deserves better. He does not deserve this. I just want this man to be okay. I felt a little bit the same at the end of this game, just watching him leave it all out there and the performance that he put up. I really just want to see this payoff. And yes, for the whole team, and I think they all deserve it, but for Giannis, man, because what he's doing out there so far to start this NBA finals, I can't believe that there would ever be any more slander about this man. He's been simply incredible and I know it's been disappointing, but geez, it's a joy to watch him just go to work. And I, I spend half the time watching through one eye every time he attacks the basket the way that he does. But man, that was a memorable performance in, unfortunately, an unmemorable result. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, one out of five from three. So that, that part was maybe less, less impressive. But He just wants his teammates out. to feel, you know, he wants them to feel like they're at least on the same level in something. So he's a good guy. Um, but, you know, the... 14 out of 17 on twos, um, a bunch of little step backs, mid rangers worked in there, um, which, you know, I, th- I think is the right way for him to kind of integrate jump shots into his game. He, he took kind of a, you know, early clock, um, maybe like 17 footer early in the second half that he made. Um, I'm not a big fan of those, but the, um, you know, pound, pound, pounded into the paint, 
And then if you can't get something going at the basket, you know, use that Dirk step back shot um, as sort of your, your fallback counter move. You know, that, that to me is like probably like the ideal way for him to have a diverse scoring game. It's, you know, not by trying to shoot lots of pull-up jumpers, early clock stuff, but, you know, attack, try to try to get to the basket. And then when you can't, um, you know, you have that, that other move that you can go to. And I mean, it's interesting because he had a pretty quick start with six, six quick points. I think he was three out of four to start. I think he missed a three. Um, but then kind of, I think he missed his next four shots and was three out of eight and then gets a, a couple of late buckets in the second quarter to, to get to 12 and at the end of the first half. But it felt kind of like game one in that, you know, he sort of like showed some real burst in the beginning of the game. I think his first three baskets were dunks, um, but then kind of just like, the offense sort of drifted away from him and they, you know, he really wasn't as involved for, for a stretch there in the first half. So for him to kind of just put the team on his back in the third quarter, the way he did, um, I mean, pretty remarkable. Right. And, um, you know, for all the criticism that he's gotten over the years about whether he's got the game that will translate to kind of the highest levels. I mean, that's a question that I've asked of him as well. Uh, you know, whether he can really be that best player in, you know, a final series, can he be the best player series after series after series? And, you know, I think with the exception of, you know, taking a, um, a, a slight backseat to Kevin Durant in one of the great, you know, <laughs> postseason performances, you know, Giannis has, has really delivered each of the last three series. And, you know, you just hope, obviously, he's not going to score 42 points every night in this series, but you just hope that he can, you know, physically hold up and, and, again, probably need to stretch him out even further. You mentioned the plus minuses, you know, they're, they've won his minutes in both of these games and then they've gotten obviously hurt really badly when he's been off the floor. Um, you know, how much can he actually play? I don't know. Um, obviously there's going to be trade-offs where he's just going to kind of run out of gas. I think the upside of him getting fouled a bunch is he can lay on the ground for a while and take his time getting up and, you know, milk, milk, basically milk those into like extra 20 second timeouts basically. Um, but you know, this is where obviously having a couple days off is, uh, is nice. Cause I mean, you know, just anything to, to let Giannis get some recovery in. And, and also, you know, I think Chris and Drew, um, you know, those guys, we, we've talked about Chris and his season long sort of improvement when he has more than one more really any time off mm -hmm. but certainly you know he's been better on one day than than back to backs he's been better on two days than one day um and so just given the compressed nature of the schedule here you know you just hope that going home and, and getting that extra day of rest and recovery you know those guys nominally they're healthy but i mean i'm sure their legs are <laughs> i don't know if they're shot but you know they've been playing minute loads unlike anything they have in their basketball careers for you know now four rounds and um that's tough you know and so i think obviously um getting a couple of days off especially because you didn't have as much time off between the series probably will you know be a plus and you know they can kind of obviously go look at the tape and kind of figure out if there's anything else they want to do but and you just find find that combination <laughs> that at the end of the day you score more points than the other guys i mean it's not a very insightful comment but um you know, you just, you just need more guys to contribute than, than you've been getting, especially offensively um, in order to keep up with, with Phoenix. Cause right now, again, you can play a really good defense and the Suns are still probably going to score, you know, a lot of points, right. It'd be nice if the Suns could just throw up 
you know, a garbage night and, you know, make, make it easy on the bucks. One of these games, but (laughs) they're obviously playing at a high level. And, you know, at this point, um, you know, they, they obviously have the advantage of, of two home games. So of course they're more likely to to look better because of that. But, um, but you know, they're up 2-0. they're in the driver's seat. They've obviously been playing at a high level and they're here for a reason. So bucks have to, you know, fight and claw and do whatever they can to, to try to get back in the series. Cause one loss at home and you know, this is, this is done. Well, that's a that's a dark note to to end this on, uh, there, Frank. But it's also pretty factual. And look, I'll say this: I think the players are going to be pumped to get back to Milwaukee. I think the fans are going to be pumped to get back to Milwaukee because, regardless of what we've seen so far, this is still the first NBA Finals game that's been in Milwaukee in nearly fifty years. So it's going to be a party. I think the fans are going to be fired up. Get that. Get off to that quick start that we've seen them do oftentimes. At home, guys will be feeling good. The confidence will be up. And really, we've been here before. I mean, the, the attitude among the fans, among the players, among everyone can change so quickly. And all of a sudden, if you get it back to 2-1, you're starting to feel pretty good about yourself. And just think about it. It could be worse. This game on Sunday night is a 7 p.m. tip-off. The NBA could have given us a 1 p.m. tip-off, and we all know that Giannis would not be happy about that. He needs his nap. So it, look, look on the bright side. A Sunday evening basketball game, uh, Monday morning for me. It's going to be fun. The Bucks are back home. Hopefully, you can get through the next two days of anxiously waiting for this game to tip back in Milwaukee. But we will obviously be with you right throughout that. So uh, we thank everyone for joining us again. The series moves back to Milwaukee. Bucks trailing 2-0 in the finals. Looking to get back into it. For Frank and myself, we'll catch you guys next time.